0: You're listening to a sermon from Grace Church, located in Frisco, Texas. Get to know Grace Church better by visiting our website at www.gracechurchfrisco.org. Today's speaker is Pastor Rob Tumbrella. We're going to look at two verses today in Colossians 1, 26 through 27. It's on page 572 if you want to look uh, at a physical copy. But we're going to have the verse right up here on the screen. It's Colossians 1, 26 and 27. And we decided to go ahead and, and go to a pretty dense uh, uh, two verses for today because we believe that even though it's family worship and we've got some kids here that you are capable, kids, of grasping what this is saying. So we're going to look at this together. So here's what uh, the Apostle Paul says in Colossians one twenty six and 27. It says, The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles Are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory? So, a key point that I want you to grab hold of first and foremost is that word mystery. It shows up two times in this section, you'll see it right there at the top. There was a mystery hidden for ages and generations. That means many parents and many grandparents... Waited for something that was hidden to be revealed. And that that was the mystery that they were waiting for and hoping for. And a mystery is kind of like you've got this big puzzle and you're working on the puzzle and you've got some part of the puzzle worked out here and some of it over here, but there's a lot of puzzle pieces that haven't been put together yet. And so you don't have a clear picture of what you're looking at until it's all put together. Over ages and generations, there was this mystery that was hidden uh, that's now revealed to a saints, And you'll see that word again at the bottom part. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery. This this puzzle that that God is now unfolding and revealing and showing. So key point number one is there was a mystery kept hidden for ages and generations. Well, what is... The mystery. Well, the mystery is not a question of what happened, but more a question of how God would fix what happened. See, the story goes that God created a perfect world, and that's what Genesis is all about. God created this perfect world to showcase his glory, to showcase his beauty, and be in relationship with his image bearers, his, his human beings, that's us, to be in a, a perfect harmonious relationship with us and many of you know what happened next. God created this perfect garden. He says you can eat of anything in this wonderful amazing garden. Eat of any of the trees but don't eat of this tree. Now that tree was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. See God said I don't want you to know evil. Well we know what happened. Adam and Eve were tricked by the devil. The devil says, God's holding out on you. He he doesn't want you to to know something good. And they listened and they took of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They sinned in that they disobeyed God's rules and his commands. And that's what sin is. It's every time and any time that we disobey God in his commands that are good for us. Well, they disobeyed God's command. They ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Their eyes were open to evil for the very first time. And when that happened, they were, they, they were separated from God. For the very first time, something horrible happened. They were separated in a relationship with God. And in that separation, they brought upon themselves death. God said that in the day that you know evil, if you eat of that tree, you're going to No death for the very first time. And I don't want you to know death. I want you to only know life. Well, in that separation, they brought upon themselves death. And that death is a a physical death, but it's also a spiritual death. Something inside of them died that day in the garden when they broke God's rules and his commands. Romans 5 says that this death that took place in the garden spread to all mankind. And that's, that's equally tragic. It didn't just stay right there in the garden. Uh, they had a lot of kids, and it spread to those kids. And those kids had a lot of kids, and it spread to all those kids. And here we are today. We're the kids of all those kids, and it spread to all of us. Romans 5 says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. So you and I have sinned and our parents have sinned and our grandparents have sinned and all the generations before us have sinned because when when Adam and Eve walked out on the garden, we followed them out and sin and death has spread everywhere. A couple of years ago, Uh, we moved from one house to another house and anytime you move, it's very stressful. If you've gone through a move, it's, it's very stressful. And, uh, and we had just moved in, we were unpacking and all this stuff. And I got into an argument with somebody in my family. I can't remember if it was my, my wife or my kids or what it was, but we got into this argument and I got really, really angry and uh in my anger you ever have an argument you have no recall of what it was about i have no recall of what this thing was about but i do remember what happened what i did in my anger i had this uh this jar of salsa i love salsa at my house anybody salsa lovers here sunday and salsa go hand in hand in my life i have a very strict diet on sunday nights of of nachos with salsa so if you come to my house tonight we're that's what we're going to be eating and so I had this jar of salsa. I was angry and upset. In my anger and upsetness, I took this jar of salsa and I slammed it on the kitchen counter. Now, could it have been my, my sheer brute strength that sometimes I'm unaware of in my life? Or it could have been the quality of the, of the salsa jar that I buy at Aldi. I love, love Aldi and uh, love their salsa. Uh, or it could have been the, the how hard the countertop was. I don't know what happened, but when I slammed that jar of salsa on the kitchen counter, it it literally exploded. I don't know how else to describe that. The thing just shattered into a million pieces, and salsa went everywhere. It went down the 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 cabinets and onto the floor and all over the counter and up on the walls and hello all the way a- across. The, the kitchen and into the den, I mean, and I'm there by myself, and I, I don't know if you've ever been there where you're just like, I don't even know what to do next. I, I'm, it's such a mess. I have no idea what to do, so I'm scooping it up, and I'm doing my best to, to kind of pull it all together, and I'm scraping the, there's shards of glass and salsa all over my kitchen floor, and I'm quickly trying to grab the paper towels and just, <sighs> just pull it all together and throw it all away, and every time I think it's clean, it's not. I go to this other place, there's, there's salsa right here. There, salsa got all the way here. There's shards of glass right here. My kids are going to walk across this and and uh, cut themselves. And anyway, salsa for a week. I had salsa and shards for a week because every time I turned around, this stuff had spread everywhere. Well, that's what happened when Adam and Eve walked out on a relationship with God. When they broke God's commands, something shattered in their relationship and a mess just spread and went everywhere. That was what death Cause death spread everywhere. And it was far messier than they ever imagined it would be. That's how sin works. We always think, well, it might cause a problem here and there, but it wouldn't spread and be a big, big problem. But that's exactly what sin is. It spreads everywhere and death spread everywhere and it spread in your life. You and I have a problem and it is this separation between us and God. It's not that God walked out on us. We walked out on God. We caused the shattering and the brokenness of this relationship because we chose to live independent from God. And we walked out on life. And we brought death upon ourselves. Now, the Bible says that this is a big problem. Colossians, before we get to here, in Colossians 1, it says that God must deliver us from the domain of darkness and transfer us from this domain to the kingdom of his beloved son. So we're like trapped in this domain of darkness because we were born in it. And then we do it. It's a domain of darkness. And we're, we're, we're just existing there until we are transferred out and brought into another kingdom, into, into new life. And so, so that's what has to happen. That's what the problem was. How is God going to fix what's broken? How is he going to transfer us from this domain of darkness and bring us into his kingdom? And for ages and generations, people wondered this question. And maybe you're wondering it today. I want to pause here and ask this question. Is there anybody here today who can relate to what I am saying you know something is wrong in your life. You know something has shattered in your relationship with God and in your relationship with others. And you wonder, how can God fix what is broken in me? Maybe you come in here today and this is a mystery in your life. Maybe there's been something hidden in your life in terms of how can God truly fix What's broken in me? Well, you would be in good company because many people ask this question and are asking this question today. But the next key point is that this mystery is now revealed. Do you see those two words? There was a mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now it's revealed to his saints. In other words, it's not hidden anymore. The puzzle pieces have been brought together together. And something really clear and evident and visible is now can be seen and shown. And that's exactly what revealed means in the Greek. It means to make something clear. It's not foggy or vague anymore. It's clear, it's visible, and it's made evident. It's the same word that we see in other places of the New Testament, where in John 21, it says this was now the third time that Jesus was Revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. So, for 40 days after Jesus came up out of the grave, he revealed himself, not just to his disciples, but as many as 400 people for the course of 40 days saw the evidence from his nail scarred hands and his side, and he walked among them and spoke to them and taught them before he was ascended. To heaven. Mark 16 says afterwards he appeared he revealed himself to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at table and he rebuked them for their unbelief and their hardness of heart because they had not believed those who saw him after he had raised that was in Mark 16 so the second point here is that the mystery yes was hidden but it's now revealed. Something has been revealed and it's, it's, it's not a mystery anymore because it's been disclosed and it's, it's visible. We can now know. We can walk out of here today knowing that something's been solved and something has been cleared up. And it's this. Something's been re- revealed and it's this very last line. Here's what is revealed. The mystery is Christ in you the hope of glory. We have a lot of hopes. We have a lot of desires. We have, and the Bible speaks of a hope that is to come. And right here, the Apostle Paul is saying, there is one hope, the hope, not one of many or not a hope, but the hope of glory is this line right here, Christ in you. This is what's now been revealed. This is the the mystery's been solved. This is how God fixes what is broken in the world and what is broken in us. It's Christ in you. That's why I titled this message, The Gospel in Three Words, because this is a favorite phrase of the Apostle Paul and of all the apostles. This is found throughout the New Testament, this reality of Christ in us. And sometimes we can think of that as, well, is that just kind of an uh, a, a side idea, and it 's not a side idea; it is central to the gospel message. Sometimes the word in' in the New Testament can be translated sort of among you corporately as a group, and that 's true. We, we say that often when we gather on sundays it 's very special and unique because Christ is among us uniquely, corporately, any time that we gather. And you can sense that. You can sense the Lord is here today. As we're singing, you can sense there's something unique happening in this space that's not happening across the street when we go and have lunch or something. So there is something unique happening when we gather corporately. The reason that there's something uniquely happening corporately is because this word in means that God has done, done something uniquely inside of us, within us, individually. And that is that he has put his life, Christ himself has come to live in us personally. Now, just so you are aware that this isn't something that is kind of a, a side idea in the New Testament. We're going to show a couple of verses here up on the screen. And let's start with what Jesus says in John 14. It's a very famous passage of the Bible. Jesus is going to the cross, and he is depositing truth in his disciples. And he is reminding them over and over again of of this reality that's to come. And he says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive Because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you. And will be in you. In that day you will know that I am in my father. And you in me. And I in you. So Jesus says this is this is what's going to, to come. I, I, you'll know I'm in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Let's look at the next passage up here. This is John fifteen five. another famous promise. Jesus says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Everyone or whoever abides in me, and I in him. He it is that bears much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. In other words, there's this spiritual nourishment. There's this power that has to come from the vine to the branches. And so Jesus says, it's not your job to be the vine. It's your job to be the branch and receive my life in you. My very life. Let's look at the next verse. Romans 8. So this is throughout Paul's teaching, but especially in Romans 8, uh, Paul says, but if Christ is, notice this, in you, not just among you, not just with you, not beside you, but if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. So through faith in Jesus, we talk about God declares us righteous. So there is this declaration of righteousness over us. But that declaration of righteousness also comes with this spiritual life within us. There's this new life. The spirit is life. Life forever. Because of righteousness. All right, let's look at the next verse. Ephesians 3. Paul prays for the Ephesians church that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit, notice where this power is located, in your inner being. So that's the real you inside there. So every person has an eternal soul, a spirit, the the real you, that you really can't project that to the, you know, we work on this kind of outward, uh, we, we try to kind of put forth an image to people, but God knows the real us. He really knows the inner us, the real us inside there, and this is our inner being inside of us, so that Christ may notice, dwell in your hearts through faith. How does that happen through faith in Christ? He dwells in us, he personally dwells let 's look at the next next one, Paul again, second Corinthians chapter four says, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness. Where did he say that? He said that in the book of Genesis. He spoke it into existence. So the same God who spoke the moon and the stars into existence does the same thing in us. The God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But notice, we have this treasure. What is that? That The light and the life of Christ. We have Christ in us shining in jars of clay. That's us. That's kind of the, the fragile nature of who we are. To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. In other words, there is this supernatural reality inside of believers. That is the light and life of Christ in jars of clay to show that this power can't possibly come from us, it comes from God alone. Let's look at the next one. My favorite verse: uh, Paul says, "I've been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives." Can you guys say this with me? In me, there you go. Paul. Paul knows that Christ dwells among me, and all of that. But he is saying there is something personal about this risen Christ who promised to dwell in us and now does so he lives in me. And I, th- I think we have one more. There you go. The last verse we're going to look at here is that as much as uh, or as as much as the Bible talks about Christ dwelling in us the same reality is that we are in Christ Christ is in us and we are in Christ. You'll see that throughout uh, Paul's letters and throughout the New Testament as well. And this is a famous passage in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Famous because of, uh, of the reality of being in Christ. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, well, I thought Christ was in us. Well, he is. But if Christ is in us, we're in Christ. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. This new standing with God, this new righteousness, this new ability to know God, to walk with God, to be in relationship with God, this new ability to restore brokenness in our world and among the relationships in our world because this new has come. What what has come? The life of Christ, the light and life of Christ, the very presence of Christ in the soul of man. So, uh, so this is a, an enormous truth that is throughout the New Testament. And uh, and what I brought up here was a, a box, uh, or several boxes actually, to help us, to help illustrate this reality. Uh, sometimes when we think about Christ in me, and I'm in Christ, and Christ in God, sometimes that's very difficult to, to kind of get our minds around because they're abstract concepts, right? Because... The cross is like not abstract at all. We know what happened at the cross because we can see the nails and we can see the crown of thorns and we can see the wood. But when we talk about union with Christ, it's kind of abstract. So I saw this illustration several years ago and it helped me. So I'm going to share this illustration with you. So uh, this right here is what I referenced earlier is the domain of darkness brought about by sin. Sin, again, is turning our backs on the commands of God and living independently from God. And it incurs death, and it, it means separation from God and a shattering of that relationship. And it's a big problem. Do you all see the you inside there? Way in the back, Can I, if I hold that up, can you kind of make out inside sin is you? You're in there. So you're in the domain of darkness apart from Christ. All people. Even really, really good people are in the domain of darkness because good, good deeds don't get us into heaven. That's not how this works. Uh, you can't earn enough things or do enough good things to merit a place in heaven because our sin is a problem. It has to be uh, dealt with. And so we are trapped in sin, the Bible says, and that's you you are in sin. And uh, not only are we in the domain of darkness, but the problem is not just that we are kind of born in sin, but we also have sin in us. So everybody see that? So sin is a really big problem. It, 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 it kind of dominates us. It dominates our personality. It's, it's a power that we can't say no to. You and I cannot on our own resist this thing that we're born into, which is I'm in control of me. I'm in control of my life. Most everybody in the world today is going about their, their business in control of their life. And what's controlling them is sin. Sin controls us because it's in us. and we're in it. So we're just kind of trapped in this place right here, and it's the domain of darkness. Now, God has to do something supernatural to to get us out of that domain and transfer us over into another kingdom, and what we read about in Colossians uh, chapter 2 is it says that you We're dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of death that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. So what Jesus does when he goes to the cross and he knew what he was doing when he went to the cross is he took our sin. He he goes into our lives Finds us. He knows us past, present, and future. He knows the real us. And he takes our sin. And the Bible says he set it aside, nailing it to the cross. So here's the cross. Jesus takes our sin past, present, and future. And he takes the penalty for our sins. And he takes the power of our sins and takes it all the way to the cross, and I have a ladder here because this cross is really tall. And I tried earlier to to reach up there, and I couldn't get it. And so Miss Ginger went and got a ladder. It's Ginger here because I was going to say thanks to, well, Pastor Craig can tell Ginger. So he takes all of our sin, past, present, and future, and he, wow, this is tall. <laughs> Please don't fall. I my biggest fear is ever ending up on a viral YouTube deal. <laughs> Which happens a lot to pastors. Okay, so he takes all our sin, past, present, and future, and we're going to put that up here to represent your sin. That is your sin. For all those who believe in Jesus, he sets it aside, nailing it to the cross. The song goes, not in part, but the what? But the whole is nailed to the tree, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, my soul. The Bible says as far as the east is from the west. That is how far he has removed our sins from us. Because you and I can't go to the, we can't do that. We can't do what Jesus did. He takes our sins past, present, and future, and he takes it to the cross. Nails it nailing it, Colossians 2 says, to the cross. Our sin is forever nailed to the cross. But but guess what? Jesus didn't stay nailed to the cross. Kids, what happened to Jesus? He died on the cross, and they took him down from the cross, and they buried him in the tomb. And so let's let's let this back here be the tomb. And then it's Easter Sunday, and Jesus said, I'm going to be raised from the dead on the third day. And... Jesus comes up out of the tomb. And when he came up out of the tomb, he did something really, really special. So this is you. And this is Christ right here. And what Christ did when he raised up out of the tomb, when God raised him from the tomb... Christ, but his life. This is the life of Christ in us. He doesn't leave us empty. He doesn't just remove the sin. He gives us his very life in us. So through faith in Jesus, he comes to dwell in us. And even though we still have the presence of sin, power and penalty gone, presence still there, but now there's a dominating power There's a dominating reality, a primary identity now in you and sealed with the power of the Holy Spirit. You guys hear that? Okay. So everybody see that in there? This is you, but there's something else. There's a new reality in there. I know my handwriting is kind of bad, but can you see Christ in you? Now, this is you. If you are a believer in Jesus... Jesus says, I will never leave you or forsake you. And he's not just throwing around uh, a sort of an empty promise that maybe we can hope for in heaven one day. This is reality right now for you and I if we have put our faith in Jesus. He comes to dwell in us. All those verses that I read before is true of you. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. We never get past the behold. We wake up tomorrow well, behold, Christ hasn't left me. Later this week, Christ will be with us. No matter what we suffer, no matter how we're tempted, no matter how we fail, highs and lows of our life, it will ebb and flow. But Christ will never leave us and he will never, ever, ever forsake us. He doesn't come in and say, I'm going to take off now. See you later. He doesn't say, okay, see you later. Oh, you just, you just really blew it today. So bye. And then you have to kind of invite him back or something. No, he takes permanent. He said forever. He said forever. When he comes, he takes up permanent residence. And the Bible says we're sealed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And there he is. All his promises are yours in Christ Jesus. Tomorrow, he's there. The next week, he's there this month, this year, the next decade. He's not going anywhere. But we also see that not only is Christ in us, but what else? We are in Christ. We are in Christ. And so so that's you and there's Christ. And we're sealed in Christ. And that red can represent the blood of Christ covering us. And uh, now do you see now do you see you boys and girls Do you guys see that can you make out the? can you see the you in there can you see maybe see the christ in you it kind of that's kind of hard but uh but you're in there now this is just a staggering reality that no matter what we go through this week this is you when you walk out of here today this is your reality and it may not feel like your reality But this is your reality. This is what the scripture says is true of every believer around the world for time and eternity. This is the hope of glory right here. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And you are in Christ. But it gets even better because because Jesus said that I am in my Father. You remember that? So Christ is an independent of his Father. We, we sang earlier a song about the Trinity, that he's never lonely. Jesus has never been lonely because he's in his Father. So, so Christ is in God. And if you're in Christ and Christ is in God, then you're in God. And so you are in God. Now, you're not God. <laughs> Let's be clear about that. You're not part of the Trinity. Let's be really clear about that. But you're in there. You're in relationship. You're in union with Jesus, in union with God, sealed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And now, can you see yourself in there? Can you? Like way in the back. It's it's hard, but you're in there. Kids, can you all see? So anything that affects you in your life has to go through a lot of stuff, doesn't it? It Has to go through a lot of stuff. No matter what you're going through, highs and lows of your life, suffering and challenges and temptations and all that kind of stuff, uh, doesn't change the fact of where you are, that you are in the safest place imaginable. Let me just ask you that. Can you imagine a safer place to be? This is now the kingdom of God. This, is, this, this transfer has happened if you are a believer in Jesus. You're no longer locked up in here. You are now a child of God in Christ. Behold, everything new has come. And when you walk out of here, the newness doesn't wear off. You're, you're new and you're changing and you're growing and you're, 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 you're becoming more like Christ every single day as you look to him, and as you, as you trust him. And our sin doesn't have the, the dominating power over us anymore because it's been removed. It's been nailed to the tree. We still struggle with sin, but it is not the dominating power. Christ is now primary. It's our primary, our fundamental identity. So we're going to close this way. I want to extend an invitation. If you'll stand with me, we have one last verse up here on the screen, and it says this. It's this amazing promise because you could be here today and you could go, you know, I don't know that I'm in here. I don't know that I'm, I don't know that my life is in here. I don't know if the you of my life is in this box. And I'm afraid it might just even be in this box. You could be an adult and you've heard messages about Jesus all your life, but you still feel like you're there. You're in this box. And you don't know if Christ has come to dwell in you. To live in you. And so I want to extend an invitation. If you're in that place right now and you're going, man, then where, what do I do? What's my next step? If I want to move, if I want to be transferred from that box to this one, what's my next step? It's right here in John 1 12. Listen to these, these words. But to all, all who did receive him, who believed in his name. He gave the right to become children of God. That's a declaration of a new identity. God gives you the right to become his child, a child of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So you can't be like physically born into God's family. It's a spiritual calling And if you're here today and you're you're listening to this, it's because God is showing love to you. He loves you and he is calling you to himself. And that's the spiritual calling that has to happen. Born not of blood nor the will of flesh, but of God, God himself birthing in us this new reality of Christ living in us by faith. How does that happen? By faith. It's receiving him by faith. We receive him and trust in him. So you have to understand who he is. You have to agree with these things that I just said, but you also have to receive him by faith. And so out of respect for, for those in the room who I believe right now are going to receive him, would we all bow our heads and close our eyes? We don't do this every Sunday, but we're going to do it today. Out of respect for the person next to you who could be receiving Jesus, who's ready to receive Jesus today. You just kind of bow your heads, and I would like to lead you in a prayer of receiving Jesus by faith, of believing in his name. If you believe in his name, it's time to receive him, and it's time to receive his life, and he's calling to you. And receiving him is as simple as sort of opening up your hands, like opening up your hands emptily to God. Empty hands to God and saying, yes, Jesus, come into my life. I want to receive you. That's how you receive anything. You believe the truth of who he is and you let go of whatever you're grabbing onto and you receive Jesus and you say yes to him as Lord of your life and as Savior of your life. And if that's you, I'd like to lead you in a prayer and you can pray this On your own, just quietly, silently to the Lord. And uh, in in order to pray for you, would you just acknowledge who you are just boldly? Could you raise your hand and say, that's me. I I need to receive Jesus in my life. You could be a a child or you could be an adult. Could you boldly raise your hand and say, I'm today ready to receive Jesus. I I want to receive his life. Just lift your hand up real, real, real high so I can see it. Thank you. Anyone else saying, today I want to receive Jesus. I want his life in me. Anyone else? Great. We, let's pray. Pray this with me. If, that's, if you're in that place, let's pray this. God, I believe today that you created me out of love To be in a relationship with you. And God I confess today. That I have chosen to live my own life. And to disobey you. And I confess that I have sinned against you. And I also confess today. That you died on the cross for me. And you died so that you could put your life in me. And you love me. So I repent of my sins I trust in you alone And I ask you to come And live in me I invite you Into my life And I thank you for the promise That for all Who receive you Who believe in your name You give the right To become children of God And I thank you that when I walk Out of here today I'm a child Of God And I thank you for that promise. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Grace Church. To receive future messages, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Or listen online by visiting our website at gracechurchfrisco.org.